0: All right. I think we're live. I think we're broadcasting. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to the Boca Podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Holritz. And uh, we're here for another day, another episode. A couple of live streams this week. We've got another, uh, actually a brand position consultation coming up on Friday. And if you follow us over at Instagram slash forward slash, I sound like an old guy, Instagram forward slash. Follow us on Instagram at Bokeh Podcast, B O K E H Podcast, and you can keep up to date with the upcoming live streams there. I'm going to introduce today's guest in just a second, but I do want to remind everybody who's listening to the audio version of this after the fact, we are live streaming. Uh, This is actually going out to Facebook and to YouTube. Facebook.com slash Bokeh Podcast, YouTube.com slash Bokeh Podcast. And uh, if you want to go back and watch the replay of today's broadcast or previous broadcast, do that. Take advantage of it. There's a lot of visuals that come along with the video live stream. And um, you can actually see our faces, our eyes, our expressions. Um, you can ask questions, make comments, send us funny emojis. It can be an interactive experience. So take advantage of that. Uh, and like I said, follow us at Boca Podcasts and you can keep up to date with the upcoming live stream. One other quick note, uh, as I have continued to promise I would do before every podcast episode, I donated to Charity Water, which is an organization that'll pop the receipt up here on the screen. An organization that I give to on a regular basis. I just do this for, and and I bring this up during our podcast for the sake of just encouraging you to look for opportunities to give back, whether in your local community or on a national or international level, there's so many different things going on, certainly in our own country, but also internationally as well. There are plenty of opportunities to give. And the cool thing is even just a little bit of money goes a long way. So look for those opportunities and uh, take advantage of those opportunities to give back. All right. Well, I want to go ahead and introduce our guest for today. I'm joined by none other than... You know what, Kala? I didn't actually ask you. Should I say Kala or Kala?
1: Kala. You got it.
0: Kala. Okay. So I I did that right. (laughs) Kala Ramberg is with me today. Kala, thank you for making time for the Boca podcast, for hanging out with us. We're going to get into a pretty interesting topic. Geek out a little bit, nerd out a little bit today.
1: (laughs) Oh, full, full nerd. I'm going to ramble like no tomorrow already. Give Nathan a heads up, but just endless <laughs> word vomit. So <laughs> finally putting my rambling to good use, hopefully. So
0: well, absolutely. We're gonna be talking yeah. for anybody who maybe hasn't seen the title yet, we're gonna talk about how creativity and productivity or efficiency can coexist. Because I think a lot of times there's this kind of weird, maybe unspoken assumption that if you're creative, then naturally you're not gonna be an organized productive person or a structured person, or if you're a structured organized person, then naturally you're not gonna be as creative. And we're going to discuss how you can actually have kind of best of both worlds and what that might look like on a tangible level. We'll get to that in just a little bit. Um, Cal, let's first dig into what is usually my first question, which has to do with brand mm. position. And what Classic, we're talking about yeah. here on a very simple level is just what sets your business apart in your local marketplace. So share with our listeners, if you don't mind, mm. what market you're based in and what your brand position is. All
1: right. So I am Alberta based right now. I'm in the mountains of Canmore. I have figured out that I offer wedding photography for couples that take weird as a compliment. So I mean that's that's the thing that I strive for that I personally connect with. So people that are breaking away from tradition, they don't want their photos to reflect that. Like the the constant feedback that I get was, "Oh my god, I was so afraid that you were going to be this like straight-laced, formal person." So <laughs>
0: <laughs> What? I was like, "Oh that- god, no." <laughs> Why is that a fear for you? Like, what what was the, I guess, what's the personal backstory that led to you wanting to create a brand that would kind of step outside the box mm-hmm. a little bit?
1: That's You know, when I initially started doing photography, I found that whether it was conscious or unconscious, I was really just emulating what I'd seen done, what was popular, like to the point of even taking on the tone of other people that are like mm. that. And, and that's not inherently a bad thing, but that's not, that's not my tone, and it was, to use a Buzzword inauthentic, <laughs> and it, it was it was just attracting clients that I was not connecting with, and it left me feeling completely drained, which put me on the fast track to burnout. So realizing that the more true I represent myself as, that's like that's what comes to me. Like I, again, it's like a cliche to be like I want to be friends with my clients, but it's it's so integral to the, to the whole thing for me to connect with them. And I'm someone that gets along with everyone for the most part, but to have that connection on a different level and just, just connect so well is super, super important. So as I, as I transition into, you know, getting, getting the weird people and the untraditional and the strange, like that's, when everything started thriving, productivity, creativity, mm. it was, I just love weirdos. Well,
0: so. <laughs> you were playing in a space that, and are playing in a space mm-hmm. that you're comfortable with, which naturally then just translates to the way that you behave, the way that you interact with your clients. That That helps mm-hmm. set the tone, I think. So you yeah. feel more comfortable. Like you said, you're less likely to burn out because now you're playing in a space you're comfortable with. You're not trying to force something mm-hmm. that doesn't come as naturally. And you're able to create a brand that is a, a relatively accurate reflection of your personality which is fun mm-hmm. but you're ultimately as a result provide able to provide a much better service and that's that's really exactly, huge yeah I, you also said something that's really important um, and i want everybody listening in to, to really key into this and that is you initially just kind of leaned toward what everybody else was doing right and and maybe you can comment yes, briefly yes. on this what, what was was it just because it was easy to kind of copy what other people were doing or why do you think the tendency mm-hmm. was there to do just to copy what others were doing
1: I think a lot of it was fueled by my fear of failure, like, like to finally start chasing photography was this terrifying high stakes thing. And I, I was like, I need to succeed. There's no other option. So for me, I just immediately saw these people that I put up on such a high pedestal of having accomplished, like accomplished careers and, and full bookings. And I was like, oh, that's the way, that's the path that I need to go on. But that was not right for me at all. Um, and, and and I just felt icky afterwards, you know, like I was representing myself as like cutesy and I'm a family photographer and, and dainty, gentle, <laughs> but that's that is not me. And yeah. the more the more me I am, hmm. the better people I get like match, match wise I'm not saying dainty people are, are bad, but I, I find it helps so much with the comfort level of my clients yeah. and comfort leads into having fun, enjoying yourself and getting getting great photos. Mm-hmm. So I mean, it's, it's, it's letting the client be comfortable more than anything, so.
0: Well, and, and I think, again, you highlight something that's really interesting in this conversation. In fact, I could probably spend a whole podcast episode or three just mm. digging into this with you because I think it's so important for our industry. I see this tendency for people to put so much weight on quote unquote, like you said earlier, that buzzword being authentic, being quote unquote, mm. who they are. And these, these concepts all carry some significance to a point, I think, which really is relevant in conversation as business owners, just as human beings. But we've placed so much weight on that that we've gone to the extreme where people are like, this is quote unquote who I am, and they're not willing to keep an open mind to areas that they may need to improve in. So we don't need to go to that extreme, but recognizing where you're comfortable and playing in that space knowing that it actually enables you to be a better business owner, I think it's really important. I've, I've mm-hmm. shared this, or some version of this on the podcast in the past, but one of the things that happened to me a number of years ago is I, I realized when I would go to these large photography gatherings, I'd go to WPPI, big conference, and they had big parties, and I'd walk into this, to these rooms and I, I had internally this idea of a person that I was supposed to be, be performative basically when I went into these rooms with yeah. large groups of people. And it ultimately became exhausting to me why was it exhausting? Well, because I was trying to be, and, and again, I had to, to use the phrase because it, it is so cliche right now, but I was trying to be something or someone that I wasn't. There was no need for me to go in and perform. Where I actually functioned really well was in one-on-one conversation, not being the center of a large crowd and performing for everybody and being the entertainer, but where I tend to thrive, still do, is in one-on-one conversation with people. And so if instead of trying to be this thing, trying to create this persona for the sake of being cool, the moment that I realized I was exhausting myself because I was trying to be this other person, and I set that aside and I started focusing what I knew I was good at, and by the way, happened to be also be more comfortable at. Oh my word! It, it literally just took the pressure off, and yeah. I no longer was ended up in the space where I like had to leave the the party every you know fifteen twenty minutes because I was just kind of exhausted from the process. Does that totally, resonate yes, with but- you a little bit?
1: <laughs> On the the deepest level, I could, like like it, it rings so true of when you're in a situation like that and it is and, and performative is a good way to put it you're putting in all this extra effort to build up this facade of what you want others to see and it it's it's exhausting i mean you start <laughs> like for me if i'm when i would do something like that i would go take like a bathroom break when I didn't need the bathroom just to be removed <laughs> from that situation So yep, yep. let, let that fall for just a second. Yeah. And it's, it's exhausting and it's not fulfilling mm. and I'm sure we'll get more into it later, but doing things like that murders your creativity. <laughs> so,
0: right. Well, yeah. I, I have to give you props and I'm going to actually share your, your website here for everybody who might be watching. Mm-hmm. And for those of you that are not streaming online, make sure you go, you go check out Kala's website. If you go to Kala, K-A-L-L-A-R-A-M-B-E-R-G, photography.ca. And of course, we'll link to this in the show notes at bookapodcast.com. Mm-hmm. But you can see top of, top of the website, top of the homepage, big text. You can't miss it when you land there above the fold without having to scroll. Wedding mm-hmm. photography for couples who take weird as a compliment. And In that, I mean,
1: your face. <laughs> it is
0: truly in your face. And they, there's, mm-hmm. no, there's no missing it. They don't need to go searching for it. It's not going to take him any time to, to realize who this person is. Mm-hmm and certainly i've not gone to a bunch of other photographers websites that are saying this kind of thing so immediately you stand out you've created distinction they they have mm-hmm. a premise set for that potential relationship with you and they can decide at that point even does this fit for me i don't it doesn't really mm-hmm. vibe with me and move on or they can say oh my word i like this girl already let me work with her and then they mm-hmm. continue that potential uh, conversation and ultimately yeah, book you it,
1: exactly it's like right off the bat there's this initial filter of like if you're looking for something that's not me. I think right off the bat, you get the impression she's strange. Let's go the other way, which is great. (laughs) It's filtering out the people that are where I'm not the photographer Mm -hmm. for them. And I, the majority of the people that I've been, or clients I've been getting lately say I connected with your website or connected with you or whatever it is. Like that's feedback that I get from the majority of people of is, I really enjoy who you are and what you represent. Which, which is fantastic. Also, I'm sweating bullets because it was on my never-ending to-do list of things to, like revise the site before you like scrutinize it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh God, oh God. Mm-hmm. There's only so many things I can do.
0: <laughs> oh no, we're, we're not judging here. Again, the compliments on, on no. having that brand position front and center. And it's a good example for everybody. I know that we kind of parked this question here for a little bit, but for everybody listening in, mm-hmm. do go to Kala's website and we'll link to it in the show notes, kalaramberphotography.ca.com. And we'll also, of course, link to her Instagram. It's Kala Ramberg Photography. And uh, we'll link to that in the show notes at BocaPodcast.com. And you know what? Here I was. I was actually demonstrating your site, Kala, and Instagram. And uh-huh. I wasn't actually on your Instagram and website. So we're doing that now. For everybody who okay. is looking at the live stream, I pushed the right button this time. All right. There we go. Now we'll bring it back to the conversation here. And um, what I want to do at this point is just kind of jump to next, next question. These are technically supposed to be rapid fire questions. <laughs> we always end up spending like half the podcast on them, but yeah. next question for you has to do with client experience. I, this is something I normally ask all of our guests because at the center of a successful business is one, at least in most cases that is paying attention to client experience. What is a big, ide- big idea driving the client experience for you and your business? Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, right off the bat, listening to them and what they need is so important. Uh, the more that you can understand them and where they're coming from, what their personal love story is, I mean, th- the better. Everyone's is going to be different. You can't go into that interaction with this kind of preconceived. Like, you can't have a template in your head of hmm. exactly what they need, uh, listening to them and finding out what is important to them. I mean even even down to the small details of what their their weird little quirks are. Like finding those things out has been huge in being able to cater and personalize their experience and what I do to be the best fit 100%. Like you can you can go into a wedding day with the idea of okay, I can get perfectly composed shots and this and that and perfect timeline, but the biggest takeaway for them is usually the the emotion of that day and the sentimental things and their personal experience, which you need the photos to reflect. And since it's different for everyone, you need to find out what, what their weirdness is, what their quirks are super huge, which I, I adore doing. Uh,
0: well, it's, and- it's important to note. I mean, you highlight this fact that, that we can't as many weddings as you've probably photographed. I, I photographed hundreds myself over 10 years and I mean, just as human beings in general, like it's easy, we're, we're, we're kind of wired to recognize patterns, right? And we immediately make assumptions internally, even if they're not, they're subconscious. We're making mm-hmm. assumptions about the person in front of us or the people in front of us based on our experience and based on the things that we've learned over our lives. And in many cases, those assumptions are accurate. But in some cases, especially in the context of business, that can come back to bite us. And so mm-hmm. the last thing that we need to do is we go into in an interaction with a new client is to assume that we're just going to know everything that they would want. And, and it may seem obvious to, to some that are listening in, but to ask questions and actually listen, you know, not ask questions and then go check out and, and go somewhere else mentally, but actually be there and listen to what they say, what's important to them so that we can capture mm-hmm. those things on the wedding day. Super important.
1: Yeah. Like you could, you could go into a wedding day and technically or from a photography standpoint, standpoint, Photograph it perfectly, where you're getting all the shots and and all of these things. But I think that can quickly turn into almost this like muscle memory of, okay, if these are the shots that I want. But you might not be picking up on the like the subtle nuances of their day and what things are important to them that you wouldn't know otherwise.
0: Sure. Important so to ask those just, questions.
1: Yeah.
0: What would you say is an example? Because I, of course, this is this is a relatively commonplace concept. You hear a lot of photographers talking about asking mm-hmm. questions, getting to know the client, uh, but it is an important principle that doesn't hurt to reiterate. That being said, different photographers, I think, go about it in a different way. What is, just give an example, one of the questions that you might mm-hmm. ask that kind of brings nuance to your understanding of what it is that they're looking for. Mm-hmm. So uh,
1: on, on a grand scale, you're finding out what kind of, people they are and for me i I like to pick apart and find the little subtle sentimental things for them like i've like by asking those questions and by getting to know them and most importantly having them be comfortable enough to to disclose that to you has been huge um and and people all have like their little funny quirks and things so (laughs) for, for one small example i shot a wedding last weekend and I love them, they're fantastic and hilarious, and in talking to them beforehand during one of the consultation, Zoom calls or whatever, I found out that they have a small collection of stuffed animals that are so incredibly sentimental to them. It's their family. Uh, so we had them bring them to the wedding day, so their, their kids were there, they're like these little stuffed cows, they're a couple of them, the Trudies. Uh, so I mean, incorporating them into the shots, uh, so they have like a family photo with these things, and like that means a lot to them. Uh, they they love the photos and their experience, which makes my heart so happy. There's a there's some good candid photos of them having a, a Trudy Trudy cow fight where they're throwing them at each other in the night, and th- those photos to me are hilarious and wouldn't have yeah. happened if I just went in with the idea of I'm going to work through my photography template or shot list and sure. just get. These traditional things.
0: That is not something that you would have guessed you'd be photographing.
1: No, but I love it. The stranger the situation that I'm in, the happier I am, the more creative (laughs) I am. Like, I want to coax out the weird in people if that's what is in them. So just extracting that weirdness is massive. Hmm.
0: Totally makes sense. Well, again, the importance of asking questions and certainly not assuming great reminder. I want to jump to the next question though, and this has to do with time management, which is honestly largely what we're going to be talking about today, but we'll, we'll save the kind of deeper part of that conversation for a few minutes from now. For the time being, if, let's just say somebody has five minutes, they just chimed in and they're going to have to go in five minutes, but you want to give them the biggest takeaway for time management, productivity while also having a life. What would that big idea be?
1: You might be misled in asking me that because my work life balance is abysmal, but I'm working on it. (laughs) Uh, Oh God. Uh, so being intentional with how you're getting your fulfillment for for me, I could, I'm so fulfilled by doing anything photography related that I could work 50 hours in a day and Hmm. be fulfilled, but there's different ways and different kinds of fulfillment that you need to get that aren't work related. Even if work is your passion and fulfills you. So making sure that you make time mm. and, and mental space for doing things that fulfill you in another way and then figuring out exactly how you can do that. Yeah. Another thing I'm working on, I'm trying to practice what I preach. Uh, for me, that looks like fully removing myself from the option of working, going into no service, disappearing into the forest. <laughs> like that brings me so much fulfillment in a different way than, than work in photography does. So I have to set time aside for that and make sure that I do that. So,
0: well, you may work life balance may not be your thing, but uh, I have to say that (laughs) the way that you just described the significance of understanding what it is that you're trying to achieve, what, how you're trying to achieve fulfillment. I literally have not had any other photographers say that certainly in the context of this question. So, and I think it's extremely poignant, you know, and there's There's an interesting conversation around work, and certainly I've experienced this in my personal life, so I can speak from personal experience, being around other people who it's as though all they really know is work, and outside of that environment it's almost a foreign world to them they, they, they they're mm-hmm. kind of lost, they don't know what to do, and that's kind of the extreme end of the the um, the graph, if you will. but you have to ask a question, I think as an individual, if you find yourself doing that or just looking at observing other people. What are they overcompensating for? Why do they feel like they need to be mm-hmm. busy all the time? Are they running away from something? Are they hiding from something? Uh, yes. That, yeah. that at least just from the outside looking in, that is a question certainly that I ask, uh, I would ask. And I think that we should ask ourselves too. If, if we have a tendency of working nonstop and somehow at the end of the day, we don't have time for relationships or even just to sit and breathe or we can't, mm-hmm. can't stand or can't handle being in the quiet on our own. Why is that? And, and why is that, um, why is that the, the existence of our life? Mm-hmm. Like, why, why are we bored otherwise? Yeah, that's
1: that's, a, that, that is such a good point, too. Um, like that's the, something that I've been aware of with myself. Like, I, for a period, was the person that, for, for a long period, that used work as an escapism and as a coping mechanism because the remainder of things, like, my life outside of work, was squalor that I did not want to deal with. So I mean, under the guise of I'm being productive and I'm hustling and I'm keeping my head down and working, I, I justified being that person that worked all the all the time. Mm. And it, it's something that when you do it, you get praise. Like, oh my God, she she works so hard. That's incredible. But it, for me, it's it, it's easy to slip into using that as ignoring everything else.
0: Um, yeah and, and of course it's it, we can't be quick to judge anybody because we don't know what's going on underneath, but I, that's just a, that's kind of a question that comes to mind what What is being uh, run away from or ignored or compensated for mm-hmm. by this obsession with work? And you know at the end of the day, I know again from personal experience that certainly relationships, personal relationships, whether it's with friends or family, suffer when we don't prioritize them when work becomes the priority consistently. Mm-hmm. Um, We certainly have put ourselves in a position where physically, mentally, psychologically, we can burn ourselves out if that's literally all that we do. And um, so I think just looking for, I mean, I know that so-called balance is going to look different for everyone, but being really clear about where our motivations are, motivations lie for how and why we spend our time the way that we do that's a super healthy question, and I'm just—I'm mm-hmm. gonna—we'll leave it at that because we could spend a lot of time here. I th- yeah. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just glad that you brought it up. I think it's a really healthy question to ask, and it's a healthy effort mm-hmm. on your part, certainly, to try to be intentional and in doing what you do, understanding what is motivating you. I think that's—that's that's really, really incredible. I'm glad that yeah, you highlight that. I've got one other question for you before we dig into our main mm-hmm. topic at hand, and that has to do with a favorite book, and—and um, mm-hmm. and this is. I mean, this could be a personal book. This could be a business book, maybe a combination of both. Um, is there a book that comes to mind that's made a big impact in your life?
1: There is one that jumps to mind and admittedly and unfortunately, I haven't made the time to do as much reading. Like for me, it comes in spurts. Like I can, I can be an avid reader and hyper fixate on reading and burn through a book in a couple of days and then yeah. not touch one again for months. Um, so, so for me, it's kind of, couple different things like the the first one that first book that i read and connected with after a few years of not being able to sit and focus and and read and make time for it was the power of now by i'm gonna butcher his last name by eckhart toll eckhart toll yeah thank you yes um for me that that was the first it, it came at such an important time where I was trying to learn mindfulness and self-reflection so in that period of time I connected with it so deeply so that in conjunction with journaling like for me when I I love reading books like that and then at the same time journaling and and finding a way for that to relate to me and how it can how I can use that to help myself so it, it, it just looks like squalor when I'm reading, there's like highlighters everywhere and like there's pens and journals and yeah. I'm just like frantically reading. Um, but that that was the first time where I realized that you can slow down and focus on where you're at instead of living so far in the future that you're not experiencing now and not mm-hmm. dwelling on the past to the point where you're not, you aren't living, you're not living you you're either living in the past or in the future and never in the moment you're at, which is all that you ever have, as cheesy as it is. There's going to be a lot of cheese today. <laughs> <laughs> so, but so much cheese.
0: <laughs> this is this is important. And by the way, I pulled this up for anybody who's just listening to the audio. Uh, I pulled the, the book up on Amazon, The Power of Now, A Guide to Spiritual Enlightenment by Eckhart Tolle. And we'll link to it in the show notes at BocaPodcast.com. A little side note, actually, we haven't talked about it in a little while. If you go to bocabookshelf.com, for everybody who's listening in or watching, we actually have a, a list of the most popular books here on the Boca podcast, and you can check that out at bocabookshelf.com. But that being said, uh, I, you know, just to kind of come back to the conversation, Cal, when I, when I take time to meditate, one of the things that happens when I'm you know, naturally in, in the meditative process, at least for me anyway, I'm sitting down in a quiet room, back up against the wall, And when I close my eyes, my, my meditative process usually intentionally is to see thoughts in and then out and repeat that over and over again to a point where you Mm -hmm. kind of, you become centered internally. And it's, it's an incredible experience. I learned it through a book called the untethered soul by Michael Singer. But sometimes there is, there's significant value for me, especially if I'm going a hundred miles an hour and have done so over a number of days and I'm just, i am just kind of burnt out to sit in the quiet, to be, to close my eyes and just kind of just kind of be there, mm-hmm. not try to do anything, my brain's like, oh, my word, I finally have the space to process what in the world's been going on for yes. the last two <laughs> weeks. And it starts yeah. to do that and it starts to organize and filter and, and kind of process through some thoughts. And it's mm-hmm. just a good reminder for me that, to your point, we <laughs> taking time every once in a while to just be here right now and stop trying to run a race and get to the next thing all the time, it's mm-hmm. massively beneficial certainly for our personal lives and yeah. mental health and and ultimately for our business as well
1: yeah no, that's that's a huge point and it, it really is the best feeling when you are able to tap into that that inner calmness like like i've I, this is another thing where like i'll go through through phases of it with with meditation and just slowing down mm. like like for me sitting down and trying to do that, there is just this, like, I don't, like, my, my brain is a pinata that's exploding all the time, and there's so much happening in there, and there's a train wreck in the background, there's just a lot happening, and and getting that to quiet down, and, and just slowing down is an incredible feeling when it happens, which is not nearly enough for me, because I don't make time for it, uh, which I should, and I will, but... <laughs>
0: Uh, We're going to hold you to that. You just committed to it here live. I mean, the (laughs) millions of people listening in and watching, they're going to all hold you to it. You're going to get gobs of DMs. Watch out. Hmm.
1: That's, a, that's a good way to measure DMs, a gob. That's
0: a, that's a good unit of measurement. You like that. You like I was that. hoping
1: for a, a, like a bushel of DMs or a, a truffle. Huh. Something.
0: Well, we're going to link to this book in the show notes for everybody listening in. Just as a reminder, as you said, to take time to just be. Um, and it does sound cliche, but you know, that's the funny thing about cliches. A lot of times that there's significant truth to them. And mm-hmm. a lot of us just talk about the, the cliches. We never actually live them. And when we actually take the time to live them and apply them, implement them, it's amazing the difference they can make. So thank you for that reminder.
1: Yeah, of course. Uh, One quick thing. Clichés are usually a thing for a reason. And just from the most basic simplified perspective on the outside, it's like, Uh, oh, that's cheese egg all the time. That's stupid. But generally, there is a way to dig deeper into that and find the the real applicable meaning on a, like, they're usually true. They really are.
0: Yeah, yeah. I actually forgot to ask you one question. I'm going to jump to this and we'll get into our main topic for today. Delegation and outsourcing. And it usually falls hand in hand with the conversation about time management. This is an important topic here on the podcast for multiple reasons. I mean, this podcast is largely about building a sustainable business, which means working intelligently and having a life, having some kind of work-life balance. Delegation plays an important role in that, and so I'm curious if this is something you've experimented with. You know, whether you're delegating emails, or editing, or album design, or accounting, or anything in your business. What's that been like for you?
1: Mm-hmm. So that that is a whole new world to me, and a very, uh, and I'm very excited for it because it's something that I have to do. Um, and, and you're you're gonna love this, one, and I swear. Nathan is not holding a gun to my head to say this, but I also <laughs> my first gallery ever to photographer's edit, woo. and it turned out woo, <laughs> turned out so beautifully, and I'm, I'm so happy. But it, in all honesty, it's something that I put off for so long because right. I was so genuinely terrified of the idea of not having my hands on the product from start to finish. And, and like, editing for me is such a, an integral part of the product that I make to the point, like when I'm shooting, I, I have an idea of like what I want to do with editing. Um, so to like, like I see my photos as an extension of my soul. So to take a little chunk of that soul and hand it to someone else on the internet and say, hey, can you edit this little piece of my soul? Uh, is terrifying. Uh, so that will already be a, a massive Massive help to have that off my plate.
0: Um, well, and, and as you're talking here, Brittany Carey chimed in from Facebook. She said, mm-hmm. "I need to outsource," and then she said, "So hard to give up that control." And it's true. And, yes. And this is actually. And by the way, Brittany, thank you for commenting. And anybody who's listening and watching, please feel free to do it. Comment, ask questions as we go along. Love the interaction. But I'd love for you to comment on that, then, Kala, if you will. When. Taking that leap, especially for somebody like yourself who is very, like internally is very much the artist type and holds the image processing very close, what would you say was the thing that enabled the idea, the concept that enables you to take that step to outsource your editing? And, and by the way, mm-hmm. to your point earlier, we didn't plan on having this conversation, so this certainly wasn't meant to be a, a commercial for photographers mm-hmm. edit, but what was that? What was the thing that pushed you over the edge? In a good way. <laughs>
1: yeah, in a good way. I mean... Pushing me over the edge is a good way to phrase it because I think initially it was out of necessity in terms of the workload that I have and the amount of time that exists in a day period. It was not feasible to do that. Uh, but the, the final hurdle that I had to get over was realizing that okay, I'm I have too much of this like ego attachment. To the to my photos hmm. and thinking that there's no way someone else can do what I want. So, and I'm not a controlling person with anything aside from photography. <laughs> uh, it's it, everything else. I'm like I don't care at all. Literally anything could happen to me, and I would roll with it. Uh, so so getting over that was a was a huge thing, and and finding a way that I could do it comfortably. So so for me, I've I've decided that like I, like every gallery, I'll edit at least some of them. So like the, the highlight preview gallery that I send after the wedding within the, the two or three days after, like I will always hand edit that. Those will be the the most important key images. Like I want my hands on that. I want to have that be exactly as I envisioned and as I want. Um, and, and from there, once it's passed off to the editing team, I think they can see that and see what I want the rest to look like. Yeah. Uh, so like the idea of being completely, completely removed from it still scares me a sure. little bit, uh, especially because my editing style does vary so much. And that's something I've intentionally done. I never want to stick to one look or preset or one trend, which is a whole, whole nother thing I can tangent on for 17 consecutive years. <laughs> uh, I want to, the photos to be timeless and not just trendy. I want people to look back and it'll still be a good photo. Um, And and I want it to be personalized to the client. I want it to reflect exactly what their day was and just them as a couple and that's going to be a little bit different from everyone. I, well, I can ramble about that and whole thing.
0: <laughs> You've got some encouragement from listeners too. Patrick said, thank you, Kala, for being so brave and vulnerable with our photography community. Thank you, Nathan, for a Patrick, great podcast. Patrick, hell
1: yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Patrick Aaron, two first names. Good for you. That's awesome. That's a lot of and first then, names. And then Brittany yeah. says, ah,
0: oh, yes, the fluidity of style. That's what scares me uh, with the outsourcing. Will still, or will it still represent mm. my style? And you actually make an interesting point uh, in that conversation, though, Kala, which is that you processed a select number of images first and our team is then able to use that as a point of reference when they process the mm-hmm. rest. And that's something that a lot of our clients do. They'll process, you know, whether it's for a blog or social media or otherwise a sneak peek, they'll process a few mm-hmm. and then they'll just flag those images when they send us their Lightroom catalog. And our team can mm-hmm. match that editing style very effectively actually. So I'm yeah, glad which, that you highlight that. Yeah. yeah.
1: Like As one last little side note, again, please just mute my microphone. If you want me to shut up, I can, I'm not a subtle person. just just mute <laughs> hey, the microphone. Um, <laughs> we, we
0: actually don't talk a lot about photographers edit here, so we'll let we'll let you be a commercial for p e today. <laughs>
1: yeah <laughs> I'll just be a, a shining neon billboard for photographers edit right now. Not literally a I think you actually do. do you have
0: a light shining from underneath like a, a from underneath?
1: Uh, <laughs> there's like a little bit of a light over there because I'm right next to the window and like as the sun comes around, I Slowly just get baked by the sun. Oh, so it's actually
0: coming in the window and reflecting off.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, I guess the sun's coming out now. Yeah, so like, yeah, you're getting like highlighted is, there. Yeah. You got a
0: glow or something,
1: or I'm just like nervous, sweating, and it looks like a glow. It's <laughs> no, totally fine. Uh, <laughs> please yeah, continue
0: with what you were going to say, and then we'll jump to our main topic.
1: Yeah, uh, to, to jump back in, like for me, edit, edit style varies so much and it impacts the photo so much. So, I mean, even. For one full wedding day, I like I like to have a cohesive look, but it's gonna vary so much. I mean, 11 a.m. ceremony in the bright sun is gonna look different than the 10 p.m. dancing at night, or when you're getting ready inside a building. Like it's a it's a different light, it's a different mood, it's a different moment. I I, I want how the photo looks to represent that, and I don't think that you can force it into one little box of a preset that you decided beforehand. Like, like I'm not, I try not to be all over the place with how everything looks like I want the cohesion, but it's, it, it varies a lot. Like there's so many things that happen during a wedding day and show sure. different settings. So,
0: yeah. Well, I mean, one of the things and our team is super talented. So the fact that they're able to, to go through yeah. and match your image, editing style through a day if, if you're giving them examples from let's say the first part of the day during the preparation and maybe another set of examples for the ceremony another for the portraits another for the reception mm-hmm. then our team can use those as a point of reference if, if even if the editing style is kind of shifting throughout the day but the key is being super clear with with our team up front with examples and then in instructions what it is that you're mm-hmm. looking for And if, as long as you're clear about that and i say not you Callis specifically but for everybody listening in as long as you, the photographer, are super clear about what it is that you're looking for, our team can match that editing style, and they're super great at it. So mm. I, I appreciate the the shout-out, the the plug there, Kella, and um, mm. Brittany, and uh, Patrick as well for your, your comments. And Brittany, we're, we're here. We got you. She says, as I'm hunched yeah, really? over editing right now, this is fabulous. So.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, I look like the hunchback of Notre Dame because I'm a slave to Lightroom, so... I, Brittany, look at me, what you're going to do, you're going to straighten your back right now and you're going to have good posture. <laughs> Just stop. As you outsource over.
0: your image, yeah. your image editing to photographers edit. Yeah, that's great. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, I want to, yeah. I want to keep going here in this conversation. Um, cause we got about 20 minutes or so here. Let's, let's dig into kind of our main focus today, which is how creativity and productivity can coexist. And it sounds, even the title itself sounds a little bit nerdy, I have to admit, but Again, I think there's this kind of weird assumption maybe unspoken in some cases that those two concepts can't coexist it's kind of one or the other you know you talk to the average creative and it's like um you have the like super messy desk and office and workspace but then they just produce these beautiful images and then you see this super like organized structured neat working space person and they they're awesome with the business side of things but their images are like yeah they're they're fine they're good enough um, and that's kind of the assumption the stereotype right but what really started our conversation today, I posted a quote a little while back, and this is actually from Neil deGrasse Tyson, who's an astrophysicist, um, I, I believe, uh, Joe Rogan I had him on the podcast, but he said, if you want to become more creative, become less productive, if you want creativity to become a fundamental part of your life, then you're going to have to not get stuff done at some point. And you responded to that that quote that I'd posted on, on my stories, Gala share it's a big just old of, ramble <laughs> well share just share your gut response to that and that'll kind of set us up for the conversation at hand
1: yeah so my my gut response is a lot of the time when people talk about having creativity and productivity coexist they they kind of talk about it as like oh like can they should they like aren't they separate uh for me i i think it's not not only can they go together but they should, and I think there's huge benefits that you can reap from infusing them together because it, I really think it's this feedback loop of they fuel each other when balanced properly, uh, and, and if you're only focusing on one, the other will suffer, but if you can find a way to combine them and have them benefit each other, it's I, I think it's a massive thing
0: it's a massive win, really, right? Why do you mm-hmm. think, though, I mean, there's a tendency in our culture, we, we know this, we see this almost on a daily basis, whether it's in politics or otherwise, for people to go to one extreme or the other, right? So why do you think mm-hmm. there's this assumption almost, and again, it, it's, some, it's in some ways, I guess, kind of unspoken, but that it's either one or the other. Where does that extreme thought process come from?
1: Mm-hmm. I think there's just, in general, such a separate view of productivity and creativity, like even the word productivity kind of has this connotation of putting your head down and and grinding and the hustle culture thing which just makes me die inside because it sucks so much ass Uh, like toxic productivity is a thing Uh, and, and again like a lot of people separate that and think i need to put my head down and work and and maybe i'll sprinkle in a little bit of creativity With something else, but if you're focusing way too much on being productive and working and grinding, you're going to neglect the creativity. And when you don't have creativity, your productivity will suffer. Like you, you can be creatively productive. Uh, Like for, for me, I know that I need to avoid feeling stagnant in my work like it's an absolute plague. I, if if I'm bored or falling into routine with my photography, it will suffer. So I I personally focus as much as I can on tapping into that creativity and bringing it into how I'm being productive. Sure. Um
0: well, you actually, in fact, if you don't mind, I'm just going to read what you said to me on Instagram because mm. it it's, it really sums this up your your position on it pretty brilliantly. And you said, I think that they work in tandem. You said, for me personally, I need to have some re- semblance of productivity schedule to keep me on track. A brain emotions tends to stay in motion. Productivity and accomplishing things gives me this feeling of flow or momentum in my life that translates into the creative part of me as well. It seems like a fine line where I need to practice both and not neglect the other. I've gone through periods of sheer nonstop productivity, which inevitably leads not only to burnout in every way possible, mental, emotional, spiritual, professional, but also depletes my creativity. I think that when you're so consumed with productivity and accomplishing tangible goals, it takes up the mental space that could otherwise be left open. An open and unstressed mind, and I love this, is the perfect environment to foster a healthy imagination. Which I believe is the root of creativity, and you see this with people who are so obsessed with work that they don't really exist in any other space, and that imagination mm-hmm. is non-existent, largely non-existent. You try to have a conversation about, with them about anything else, and it just kind of it can just fall flat, right? Because their brain yeah. doesn't function any other way. All they're thinking about is work all the time. They don't give the space for imagination, and then ultimately creativity. So I, I think you make an interesting point there. Mm-hmm. But then just finishing up what you said. Uh, you said you don't or you just don't have the full mental space for creativity. If you're fully consumed with productivity, you can give the mind things to do by being productive or you can give it space and let it come up with things for you to do. So overall, I think that they can and should coexist, but it's dependent on the person what balance of productivity and doing nothing, allowing creativity should be. You, you talked about how productivity and accomplishing things gives you a feeling of flow that then translates into the creative can you explain what that looks like tangibly, just practically, like in a day-to-day basis for you?
1: Hmm. So, how being productive and creative can get me into that that flow state, right? Just to just to summarize, my my brain does cartwheels when I try to think about things. <laughs> sometimes
0: <laughs> it was a, yeah, it was a long quote to yeah. read through, but but that was yeah, you were just saying. Productivity and accomplishing things gives me this feeling of, quote, flow or momentum in my life that translates into the creative part of me as well. So I'm just curious mm-hmm. if you could kind of explain what that looks like on a day-to-day basis in your work.
1: Mm-hmm. The, the big thing for me is making sure that the ways in which I'm being productive aren't draining me. So very specifically, I recognize that the types of things that I was doing under, under the guise of productivity that was leaving me burnt out for a small example, like I realized I don't love doing family sessions and like, that's not my specialty. It doesn't resonate with me to the point where I would be just not, not dreading. It's a harsh word, but just genuinely not looking forward to the majority of family sure. sessions. So that's why We all like have anxiety. our preferences. Yeah. yeah. So I, I, I stopped offering that. And like, I do sometimes, Still, but it's something that I don't push for. I completely took it off my plate, erased it from my website. I don't represent myself as being that because that, after, afterwards, I would just feel drained. It felt like work. Um, right. Yeah, Brit- and, and Brittany says
0: family sessions are my biggest struggle. And it sounds like mm-hmm. you can relate, Callie. You know, it's interesting what happens with stress or struggle is it does... I think it's that kind of fight or flight response um, that our that our bodies, is, I mean, as humans, we tend to respond in stressful situations in that way where our mind is just goes into this hyper-focus mode and trying to kind of survive and make it through. And it doesn't give space for creativity. It doesn't give space mm-hmm. to just sit and be and to come up with ideas and, and ultimately create, especially as a photographer. So I'm not surprised that that was a state you ended up in. So you're you're saying you know what I don't have to be productive all the time I don't have to shoot everything I'm going to focus on the things that encourage well mm-hmm. first of all that make me excited that make me happy which then naturally encourages creativity is that do I understand that yes
1: way? yes one hundred percent nail on the head uh, initially I would blindly say yes to any job or or anything at all and I found that it was crushing me and burning me out and which which for me burns out my creativity and then my motivation flies out the window a million miles away never to return uh it, well it did return it's a boomerang i guess um <laughs> uh, but it, and it's such a murky thing when you take something that's inherently creative or an art or your passion so for me photography and then to make that into your job and into your income and it can be difficult it, well, it can be really easy to slip into doing it out of obligation, which removes the fun, which can remove the creativity. And I think once you're, like, sucking that creativity out of photography, it's – like, I fast-tracked myself to, to burn out incredibly quickly because I was yeah. doing those things that just – squeezed the, the passion out of me and just sure. burnt out, didn't have room for creativity, didn't have the mental space or the drive to do it. Yeah. It was just, okay, I'm going to go there and click a button and put on that act. And it, it was exhausting. And, and sure, it was being productive, but it wasn't being productive in a way that fulfilled me and that utilized my creativity
0: um well it's interesting to i mean we could go real deep with this one and spend a lot of time here as well but you think about the the number of people in our culture we'll just take american culture for example that that are constantly looking for escapes from their life They, they need an escape they need whether it's tv or their phone or otherwise they need to not be here and present like we were talking about earlier with that book the power of now they're not comfortable just being here right now 'Cause mm. frankly, whether they're they're realizing it, whether they're conscious of it or not, they're just not happy with their existence. They constantly need an escape. And and you know, unfortunately, I guess not everybody's lucky enough to have their, their to, to run their own business where they get to control and decide on everything and, and certainly there's some wonderful advantages to that. But at the end of the day, if we are in a state of frustration and boredom, then the last thing that we're going to be in that that case is well certainly happy and as a result creative and so i'm wondering maybe just on a practical level here as we're finishing up our conversation can you share a few ways with our listeners especially based on your personal experience that our listeners photography business owners can figure it can ultimately have both that productivity and efficiency Mm -hmm. also be creative as well because i i mean from personal experience i know that productivity efficiency and creativity can coexist and in fact one enables the no- another for me it creates if i have structure in place it ultimately enables me, me the life that the, the flexible life that then gives me the space to be creative i do have time to sit and to think and to come up with ideas and to plan my version of creativity is not with a camera right now. It's coming up with ideas and, and planning for my various brands and working on ideas that will enable my team to be able to mm-hmm. carry out you know our mission collectively. That's how I create, That's what creativity looks, for me, looks like for me, but I don't have that freedom in that space unless I'm intentional with the structure that enables the productivity and efficiency. Mm-hmm. What does that look like for you as a photographer and what do you recommend to our listeners?
1: Yeah, I, I, I love that you kind of finished that sentiment with the word intention because that was the first and biggest point in my head in regards to that. Yeah. So being completely intentional with, with what you're de- doing and more importantly, the motivation behind it and having the self-awareness to step back and look at, okay, why, why am I doing these things? Does this fulfill me? And trying to evaluate, is something that I'm doing a creativity killer or is it something that's going to boost it up and help me? So for me it was stepping back and realizing, okay, I don't want to just blindly take any job because money and and like going into those things I would know this doesn't fulfill me, it it doesn't give me that drive. So and, and I guess the next kind of point is trying to not only balance productivity and creativity, but infusing them. So putting creativity into my work and making sure that I'm running away from stagnation as <laughs> as quickly as I can and running towards the things that, that give me that spark and give me that drive. And, and for me, if I'm at a session or doing a shoot and there's something fun or new or unusual or exciting... Uh, like, I would absolutely call that a, a flow state. You get into this mode where you're thinking creatively. creatively, And, and with that, I'm way more productive. Like, if I was shooting the exact same thing, like, back to back to back to back, I would shrivel up and die inside, 100%. Like, always looking for new ways to put creativity into your work to keep it fresh to keep you evolving i i never want to get bored with what i'm doing and it, i can keep rambling forever and what well, would and ever, you
0: say I mean, as a principle, you know we, we you talked first about the the importance of being intentional both in what mm-hmm. you're doing and why you're doing it and i think that's important again that's something we could spend a lot of time on but that's a massive, massive principle that we really could just stop on like that, that in and of itself, understanding on a bigger picture level, what is motivating us as an individual. And as a result, then our choices as a business owner, and as a photographer, and then how we're spending our time. This is such an important conversation. It's one that comes up quite a bit here on the podcast, but then adding, I mean, would you, would you sum up the point that you were just making with the word variety or is that too simplistic? I mean, infusing Mm -hmm. variety in your day-to-day workflow for the sake of minimizing boredom and encouraging Mm -hmm. creativity.
1: I I use the word variety for it for sure. I mean, variety is the the spice of life and you got to keep your life spicy or it gets boring. So variety and new things and always evolving are just so pivotal to it. Um, Like in in a practical way, for me, that looks like coming up with fun new ideas to try and like a huge thing, which I guess would be kind of a third point. It gets murky because I ramble and everything becomes one big point. I'm just a run on sentence of a person with no <laughs> punctuation, <Nope.
0: laughs> like no maybe way. like
1: 50 commas. But, but <laughs> I, 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 a practical way of doing that is making time to do, especially like un, unpaid shoots, like you have a fun idea. Make it happen. Collaborate with other people. That that is a huge thing. I I get so much fulfillment and so much drive, and it just sparks the creativity. If I'm doing like a, a fun collaboration or getting involved with with other people and coming together to create something new and something exciting that you wouldn't be able to do by yourself otherwise. Uh, even even if that looks like just forcing your friend to. Be a model. I've, I've stuck a lot of my friends in wedding dresses and had some, some fake weddings before because I'm like, I have this idea that I want to try. I'm going to stick you in this dress that I got at Value Village for $26. It's a little dated, but it'll do. Yeah. And just running around and doing something that will bring that creativity back, that will get that spark back. You cannot let that spark die. If If you got into photography because you love photography like most people do, you can't let it just slip into becoming work. I, I'm, I'm a firm believer that you can do what you love for work, but it is a tricky thing to balance. But to bring that intentionality into it can help you to achieve it. I really, yeah. I really think that you do. I, I can't imagine living a life where I'm doing a job that I hate.
0: Well, to (laughs) to go back to your first point, though, I think starting with that that so-called intentionality, being clear about what it is that you're trying to achieve will then enable you to be intentional about how you're spending your time day to day. It's I think a a lot of times for photographers, it's the photographers that are just functioning haphazardly on a day to day basis, just kind of reacting to whatever's happening in front of them. Those are the, the photographers who end up losing the creative side because they're so caught up in just busy work and the busy work mm-hmm. of reacting to whatever's in front of them, rather than, to your point, Kala, being intentional about what it is that they're trying to accomplish and be clear about that, taking the time to actually write it out or you know put it in Evernote or whatever they need to do, but being clear about that idea or those ideas, and then figuring out what the next steps are to accomplish those ideas. Mm-hmm. That will enable them to be very intentional and ultimately structured in their day-to-day activities. But the cool thing about that then is it will then make space and time for the creative side. Because now they're not just constantly carried away with reacting to whatever's going on in front of them and Mm. just hoping to kind of make it through they get stuff done that they didn't know that they need to in order to achieve these goals and then you get to the second third points that you make one which is to implement variety in your day-to-day workflow and then and then third to try new things as well which oh my goodness trying having new experiences as an individual as a photography business owner you're right it does add spice to life it makes it interesting Mm. and you never know then what spicy Yeah, Well, you never know what ideas that that will then ultimately generate for the business owner and and for the individual Mm -hmm. for that matter. So these are good reminders for for all of us. And I appreciate you kind of sharing your perspective on them.
1: Yeah, of course. And just as like a side note to kind of tag on to what you said, if you're like, it's great to have that ability to do an unpaid, fun, creative session, especially if it's something that you want to get more of. And even when I, in the back of my head, know I have so much to do and, and sessions coming up and a, an obscene amount of stuff to edit, I know that if I set that aside for a minute and do something fun, something creative, that ultimately my ability to be productive with all of those other things will will benefit. Like I, I benefit more from making time to do a creative session once in a while than I would just sitting down and burning through edits and doing website and doing marketing. Like I, you need to be intentional with doing those fulfilling things for sure.
0: Yeah, that's very, very true. I, I mean, this is, this is a good reminder for all of us, myself included. And I, I'm certainly going to continue to strive to be more intentional. Brittany says, yes, the creative shoots allow me to come back to the daunting projects. I get creatively blocked on. Yes. And yeah, it really does. It sparks that creativity. And sparks ultimately I guess inspiration ideas new ideas and that's huge that's, that's a really big deal and and you know finding again being intentional up front for the sake of creating a, 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 a workflow that enables us to accomplish the kind of the day to day tasks the things that need to get done um, creating an efficient workflow and systems putting those in place, then giving us the freedom to have the space to do these things that will encourage and enable creativity super important mm-hmm. and again, I appreciate you making time to kind of share with all of us today I, I i have to actually jump back here too because uh, mm. tanya earlier said tanya lynn said i love outsourcing for color correction i drive myself crazy obsessing over skin tones photographers that it is amazing i add a few quick personal touches to the images when i get them back easy peasy so efficient you guys rock thanks for the shout out tanya i really appreciate that i really appreciate all the engagement today too i mean all this conversation yeah. questions comments Hi, yeah, everything.
1: everything tanya Let's be friends. Brittany <laughs> coming in hot with a conversation. Get her on the podcast.
0: Absolutely. We should. <laughs> we should. But Callie, I really appreciate you doing this today. Remind our listeners just one more time, if you will, your website and Instagram, where they can follow you online. Hmm.
1: All right. So on Instagram, my name is Callie Ramber Photography. So that is
0: K-A-L-L-A-R-A-M-B-E-R-G
1: Photography. Uh, website, exact same.ca. It's Canadian represent. Uh, th- those are my, my two main things. I-, I will say my, my Instagram stories are where I shine. Okay. I hate making reels, Instagram stories. That's where they're at. Perfect. You don't see me being an idiot all the time.
0: <laughs> well, thank yeah. you for making time for sharing with all of us. Thanks yeah. for everybody who jumped in the comments and, and, um, and added to the conversation as well. We'll put all the show notes at dot Thank you everybody and have an absolutely yeah. wonderful day.
1: Thank you for having me, Nathan. I can't believe someone wanted me to ramble.
0: <laughs> it's our pleasure. Oh my god! Thanks for thanks <laughs> Thank for sharing so with the community.